the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriya, vulture feet mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, noble Avodhajvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Avodhajvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, how should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita, see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics, there is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye, datu, up to no mind, datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind, consciousness, datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te ata om gate gate paragate parasangati bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly of the world with its gods, humans, Asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. <laughs>
I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. Yedam Guru Ratha Mandala Gam Nirata Yami Jadanja Jijanam La Janjo Badu Dhani Jaso Kappa's uh, great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment that is a commentary on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. So, if we look at all of the dharmas that have been taught, if we look at all of the pronouncements in the Kangjur, which are the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries, we can condense all of those teachings or summarize all of those teachings into three pathways. Those pathways which lead to the higher realms, those pathways which lead to nirvana or liberation, and those pathways which lead to complete Buddhahood. Uh, and if we look at Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment, he condenses those three pathways into the teachings for beings of three capacities. Uh, the, te- the, teachings, uh, the pathways for beings of small, medium, and great capacity. And that's why in the beginning of uh, the text, uh, Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, we find the quote that says, Understand that there are beings of three capacities, small, middling, and great. I shall write clearly distinguishing their characteristics or defining those their characteristics. So we can find the various uh, stages of the path that are broken down into the uh, uh, the riksun, 
Okay. So we can, uh, um, when we look at the stages of the path, uh, there are three specific lineages. There is the lineages of extensive deeds, the uh, lineage uh, of, of sublime view, or the uh, uh, the lineage of view, uh, and then the lineage of uh, practicing blessings. And the, the lineage of practicing uh, blessings is the secret lineage, the tantric lineage. And that uh, lineage that uh, has the stages of the tantric path was passed down uh, from Lord Vajradhara to Tilopa and Naropa, and then eventually through, through Master Dropepa to Lord Atisha. So Lord Atisha is a holder of all three lineages. Uh, um, uh, yeah, the sublime view lineage, I believe, is the uh, um, other lineage. So the uh, extensive deeds lineage, the sublime view, view lineage, and the uh, lineage of practicing blessings. Uh, so the profound, that's uh, uh, the sublime view, or the profound, it's called profound view lineage. Uh, was passed down from uh, um, Lord Manjushri to Nagarjuna, uh, and uh, then uh, eventually through Ripikushu Chon to Lord Atisha. So this is how the lineage of uh, the sublime view, or the profound view, uh, is passed down to Lord Atisha. So that's how he's the holder of that second lineage of teachings. <laughs> So the uh, lineage of extensive deeds, or uh, we could say the stages of the path of the lineage of extensive deeds, was passed down from Lord Maitreya to uh, Lord Asanga, and then eventually through uh, Lord Salingpa to Atisha. Uh, so then this is how Atisha is a holder of this third lineage, the extensive deeds lineage. <laughs> So the <coughs> texts that we see here uh, are texts that are uh, translated from Pali and Sanskrit and uh, uh, um, uh, Indian languages, excuse me, Indian languages into Tibetan. So here we have a hundred uh, texts that are called the Kangjur, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha that have been translated from Pali and Sanskrit into Tibetan. And then we have the uh, Tanjur, uh, which are the authentic Indian commentaries, which include 213 texts uh, that were translated from Pali and Sanskrit, the Indian languages, into Tibetan. So the uh, 100, 100 texts, which are the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and the 213 texts, which are the uh, authentic Indian commentaries on the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, can be summarized into, uh, contain the uh, um, stages of the path uh, found in these three lineages. Kadan 
So there's a quote from the Master Drontompa, the root disciple of Lord Atisha, who stated that it's amazing that all of Buddha's pronouncements uh, contained in the three baskets can be found uh, as a golden rosary of instruction uh, in the uh, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment teachings that are adorned or, uh, or, or have ornaments of the teachings for beings of three capacities. Uh, so within uh, 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 this uh, text, uh, we find all of uh, the pronouncement, pronouncements all th of th all three baskets, the Vinaya basket, the Sutra basket, and the Abhidharma, uh, Abhidharma basket contained within uh, this one text called the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So this is why uh, Drontompa calls it a golden rosary of instruction that contains all of these three baskets. So uh, we know that all of the water uh, found in the world um, uh, um, that uh, um, uh, comes down from the mountaintops and so forth eventually ends up in the ocean. So the oceans are what collects all of the water. And it's stated that the Tisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment is like an ocean that collects all of the illustrious instructions. And when we look at uh, the, the text called the Lam Rim Dudin, the abbreviated stages of the path by Lama Tsongkhapa, uh, he states that uh, uh, as uh, uh, um, talking about the teachings, uh, um, because they collect uh, uh, the, the streams of thousands of excellent classics, they are indeed an ocean of illustrious collect explanation. Uh, so that quote uh, is found in the sixth stanza of the um, Lama Tsongkhapa's abbreviated stages of the path uh, within that stanza. Um, and it's speaking of the stages of the path to enlightenment teachings uh, uh, and, and how they're like an ocean of illustrious instruction uh, that contain all of the excellent classics. <laughs> So Lama Tsongkhapa's text, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, begins with an outline with four sections. The first section is called The Greatness of the Teaching's Author. The section, second section is The Greatness of the Teaching Itself. The third section is the great way to listen to and explain the instructions. And the fourth section is called the way to lead students in the actual instructions. Mm-hmm. 
So the first section uh, that shows the greatness of the teachings author uh, um, gives uh, a synopsis of the liberation life story of Lord Atisha. Uh, so in this section it shows that Atisha was born in Bengal, uh, east of India. He was born as a prince, his father was a king. Uh, and that he very quickly became a scholar in all areas of knowledge, uh, um, uh, those specific to Buddhism and those not specific to Buddhism. Uh, so he became a great master in all areas of knowledge. And then it shows how uh, then he gained this actual uh, um, uh, scriptural knowledge in this manner by learning and studying. And then it shows how he applied these teachings and these practices uh, by um, practicing the three highest higher trainings and then was able to actually have the realizational doctrine uh, take place or the actual realization of the Dharma. So it shows how he gained his scriptural knowledge and then his experiential or realizational knowledge uh, within that section. And then after that it shows what Lord Atisha did uh, with that knowledge and experience uh, in India and how he benefited India and then in Tibet uh, when he uh, arrived there and lived for 17 years and benefited the Tibetans by cleansing the teachings of their impurities in a similar fashion to washing a cloth out of its stains. Lord Atisha uh, cleansed the teachings of their uh, uh, errors that had uh, um, sprung up within them in Tibet. So the next section is called The Greatness of the Teaching Itself. And that is broken down into four categories, um, uh, or four uh, greatness, uh, great qualities that the teaching has. Uh, the first section uh, shows that all of the teachings are free of contradiction. 
so the meaning of this is that the teacher's lamp for the path to enlightenment allows one to see that uh, the sutra and the tantra teachings are not contradictory, are not mutually exclusive. Uh, prior to uh, this instruction, there was some uh, mistaken idea that there was a contradiction uh, or that these teachings were mutually exclusive. So by relying upon a teacher's text, one can see that these teachings are not contradictory. So this, this is the first uh, greatness of the text. The second greatness of the text is, is that it allows one to see that all of the teachings are instructions to be practiced. Uh, so it allows the practitioner to see that each of the pronouncements that were given were specific pronouncements to show one the cause for happiness, how happiness can be achieved. So each of those pronouncements were specifically to be practiced uh, because of the desired goal of happiness, so that each and every pronouncement was something to actually practice or apply to uh, one's life. The third is that it allows one to easily understand the conqueror's intent. Uh, and, and this is that if one were to look at the conjure, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha, uh, or the uh, authentic Indian commentaries, uh, directly, it would be very difficult to understand the directly, the real meaning implicitly of the uh, behind the words contained within those two categories of teachings. But by relying on a teacher's lamp for the path to enlightenment, one can easily understand what the meaning of both of these uh, um, divisions of teachings are. So the, the meaning can be easily understood or derived. And then the Fourth is it allows one to immediately refrain from the great wrongdoing. And here the great wrongdoing is referring to abandoning the Dharma, uh, believing that there is some contradiction within the teachings, that the teachings are mutually exclusive. And going back to the example of in Tibet when there was a uh, mistaken view that there was some sort of contradiction between the Sutra and the Tantra tradition. So this is considered the great wrongdoing, which is called abandoning the Dharma. And through relying on Atisha's text, one will immediately refrain from abandoning Dharma because of understanding that the teachings are not mutually exclusive. So the next section is the uh, 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 great way to listen to uh, and explain the teachings. And this is, uh, shows uh, how the uh, teacher should uh, uh, behave uh, in a great, the great way that he or she should behave, the great way that a student uh, should behave. And uh, we find six categories um, uh, in, within that section uh, that have the actual definition of a teacher. Uh, so the defining characteristics of a teacher is the first category. There's actually six. Uh, the second category is the definition uh, of the student, uh, so how to define the student. The third category is how the, the student actually relies upon the teacher. Uh, uh, the fourth category is the uh, benefits of relying upon the teacher. Uh, the fifth category is the downfalls of not relying on the teacher. And the sixth category is a summary of those five previous parts. Uh, so within the outline, we find these six categories under the heading of how to listen to uh, and explain the instructions. What 
So then the next section is on how to lead students in the actual instructions. Um, and here, this is the instructions here are referring to the instructions of relying upon the teacher who is the root of the path. Um, and here, it's how to actually sustain that meditation um, on relying upon the teacher who is the root of the path. And the first is the actual preparation, which includes the six preparatory practices. And then the second is the actual instruction that has uh, uh, actual session rather that has two specific categories under it, uh, the general way and the specific way to um, apply uh, the act, the instruction or the actual session itself. <laughs> Under the uh, preparations, we find uh, with uh, the six preparations, uh, six preparatory practices, and, and these practices are found within the liberation life story of Lord Solimpa. And within that, we find the seven limb prayer uh, within uh, one of those preparatory practices. Uh, um, so, uh, and the actual session itself is uh, where we're uh, analyzing the benefits of relying upon the teacher and the downfalls of not relying upon the teacher based on the previous instructions. So, we're com continuously analyzing these while accompanying them with the preparations. This is just a, a summary or a, a you know kind of a synopsis. Okay. Okay, so now we've arrived at page 101 in the English, uh, in the text, uh, and uh, there are the four preconditions that are causes uh, that produce uh, serenity and insight, so calm abiding uh, and special insight. So we were uh, dealing with concentration when we left off. Uh, so we're on page 101 in the English, page 61 in the Tibetan, and... Uh, uh, the four pre uh, prerequisites or preconditions are restraining the sensory faculties, acting vigilantly, an appropriate diet, and striving to practice without sleeping at the wrong time, and acting properly, 
at the time of sleep, uh, and then we were specifically in the restraining the sensory faculties section. Okay. ホットスカイソンでいいじゃばオンビドゴトカレジンドンゴレスナタンガツトマルコロトンドンドンゴバビデンバオンドンドンゴバビデンバオンドンゴバビデンバオンドンゴバビデンバオンドンゴバビデン
then attachment is produced. Uh, and then the opposite, if there is an unattractive object, there is an improper mental engagement that says, this is, a, um, I don't like this because of this or that. Uh, and then one becomes angry or has aversion towards uh, this object of observation. So um, in dependence upon uh, um, these misapprehensions, uh, um, one then, uh, in dependence upon this improper mental engagement, uh, uh, one then reacts in a negative way. And all of this has the underlying cause of grasping at phenomena as being truly established. So this grasping at true establishment then propels uh, this whole, or fuels this whole misapprehension or judgment about these objects of observation. Um, so um, when we look at the uh, Four Noble Truths and the first uh, turning of the wheel of Dharma, the Buddha pronounced that this is the superior truth of suffering, this is the superior truth of origin, this is the superior truth of cessation, and this is the superior truth of path. And within those Four Noble Truths, the Buddha was uh, explaining two specific cause and effect relationships. The cause and effect relationship between the two truth, first two truths, which show how one is bound to cyclic existence, and then the second cause and effect relationship in the last two truths of cessation and path, which shows how one is freed from or unbound from cyclic existence. So, looking at that first truth, the truth of suffering, Buddha was referring to the various types of suffering, the, the three types of suffering, the six types of suffering, the eight types of suffering, so all of these various types of suffering. Uh, so the Buddha in his second set of pronouncements stated that suffering is to be understood, uh, and that is what is meant by that, understanding suffering to be those different divisions of suffering. Uh, the next statement the Buddha sta made was that this is the superior truth of origin. Uh, and then the second pronouncement he made about origin was that origin is to be understood. Now, origin has two specific categories. Origin that is karma, or karma that is origin, and afflictions that are origin. Um, so, uh, in, in looking at uh, um, uh, um, the origin of suffering, uh, one has to, to abandon origin if one wishes to abandon that which the origin creates, because origin is the cause of suffering, going back to that cause and effect relationship which shows how one is bound to cyclic existence, the cause of that is the origin. Uh, so in order uh, uh, to um, abandon uh, that origin, uh, it's necessary to restrain uh, oneself in some way to uh, get rid of uh, um, uh, um, what causes suffering. Then? <laughs> Okay. 
So we don't say, though, that the actual physical sense powers themselves contain the attachment or contain uh, the grasping a true establishment or the anger. Uh, it's in dependence upon their apprehension of objects that then the mental consciousness uh, engages uh, and engages in inappropriate mental conduct around these objects of apprehension that the attachment uh, and the uh, anger and so forth uh, um, arises. So we don't say uh, if, if there is attachment, it is necessarily a mental consciousness. If it is a, a hang, anger, it is necessarily mental consciousness. Grasping at true establishment is necessarily men, mental consciousness. The, the actual uh, physical uh, um, uh, sense, uh, 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 physical senses uh, are conduits through which, or which the mental consci consciousness uh, apprehends and then becomes either attracted to or unattracted to uh, these objects. So, in, uh, for instance, uh, if, if one uh, sees uh, with his or her eye, uh, apprehends an enemy, it takes the, the mind uh, to say, oh, this person did this or that to me previously, so, uh, and, and this is why I don't like them, and this is why they are my enemy. The consciousness apprehending itself, the eye consciousness, the eye, the physical eye consciousness, isn't making uh, that distinction or becoming attached. It's the mental consciousness itself that's making that distinction, that's uh, becoming uh, either attracted to or unattracted to, then as a result of this distinction, then attachment or anger is formed. Uh, so it, the grasping at intrinsic existence, the grasping at true establishment, is something that the mental consciousness itself uh, does. Uh, it's uh, nothing that any among the physical uh, uh, consciousnesses, the eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, or tactile consciousness um, has within it. If it is a, an, an attachment or a grasping or an anger, it is necessarily mental consciousness. So the sense powers, nor the sense consciousnesses, the, the physical sense powers, the physical sense consciousness, uh, none of the, those uh, contain within them the attachment. The yichi wambo duchi yurube yoma. Uh-huh. 
So we're just uh, we were trying to arrive at is whether the mental sense power uh, contains the attachment uh, uh, and the, these negativities, uh, or if it's just the mental consciousness itself. Uh, so when looking at the six sense powers and the six consciousnesses. Uh, we're stating that the mental consciousness itself is the only one that contains this attachment and so forth. So the question now we're, we're bringing up or posing is whether the men, uh, mental sense power itself contains that. Uh, so, so that was what Rinpoche and I were just discussing. <laughs> ま、<笑><笑><笑><笑> it's the mental consciousness itself that makes this distinction. For, in, for instance, the uh, eye consciousness apprehends a form. Uh, if the eye consciousness uh, uh, sees the form as attractive, um, uh, then there is some in, inappropriate mental conduct or improper mental conduct that takes place that uh, um, glorifies or uh, says this is good for this reason or that reason, and then uh, one becomes attached. It's not to say that there isn't something attractive about the form, because the Buddha, uh, him or herself, uh, sees beautiful things or attractive things. It's the improper mental conduct that creates this ap misapprehension of the object uh, that is the problem. And then if one... Uh, uh, um, so this is in the case of an uh, um, apprehension of a, a form uh, seen by an eye consciousness. And the same would be true for a sound. Uh, uh, if one uh, hears a, a, an attractive sound, then based on this uh, attractive, hearing an attractive sound and this improper mental engagement, one becomes attached. If one hears an unattractive sound, one becomes angry based on this improper mental conduct. So we can apply uh, this, this same uh, logic to the other, all five sense powers and sense con uh, all of the five uh, sense consciousnesses and how they apprehend things. And we can state that it is always the mental consciousness itself that is dis making this distinction uh, based on the apprehension of the uh, eye con uh, based on the apprehension of the consciousnesses that are uh, powered by these sense the sense powers. What I で、自治、あの、仕事とか、ね、自治とか、とも、しばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばしばし
So it's a, a, about uh, averting, uh, facing and averting these uh, negativities as they arise. Uh, um, so, I, um, so it's abandoning uh, the negativity. So if attachment arises, is, has attachment arrived or has an attack? Do I have attachment or don't I have attachment? And analyzing it and trying to avert it. Uh, if uh, one has attachment, then uh, Buddha has stated that an antidote or an opponent to attachment is meditation upon impurity or ugliness. Uh, and then checking to see, is anger arisen or aversion arisen? And if so, uh, Buddha has stated that meditation upon love serves as an opponent to aversion. Um, has excitement uh, um, entered into my meditation, or lethargy, dullness. Uh, uh, um, uh, so trying to regain or uh, harness in some sort of stability within the meditation and avert these negativities or these obstacles to one's ability to uh, concentrate. So uh, one is uh, um, trying to uh, restrain the sense faculties in the sense that one is uh, uh, facing and averting these negativities as they arise uh, through mindfulness, of being mindful of one's own uh, mental state, being mindful of one's, uh, yeah, one, uh, one's own mental state and applying the appropriate opponents or antidotes to them. So, restraining these sense faculties uh, are similar to abandoning origin. When the Buddha stated that origin is to be abandoned, and we look at the two uh, types of origin, karma that is origin, and afflictions that are origin. Uh, these uh, afflictions are the ones that we're are speaking of, uh, uh, um, that we're abandoning. Um, because in dependence upon uh, uh, these apprehension, uh, we have the three poisons of attachment, uh, hatred, uh, and desire. And, it, and, it, and these poisons are what we need to abandon uh, in order to uh, uh, abandon origin and, uh, and then eventually, uh, which then abandons suffering. Uh, so uh, this is the reason for the restraint of these uh, uh, sensory faculties. This, well, this res the reason for this restraint. This is the, ab the abandonment that was being spoken of in the second truth. <laughs> Okay. 
Mm. So here, this is really speaking of being mindful. Uh, and mindfulness requires one to understand the, the nature of the afflictions, the nature of suffering, the nature of origin, and the, how it is defined. And then being able to be mindful at all times to see if any of these are arising. And if they are arising, then abandoning them at their time of arisal and applying an appropriate opponent to uh, the negativity that has arisen. So this mindfulness here uh, is uh, um, uh, that—that's what is meant by mindfulness in this case. <laughs> So uh, here, that when we're applying the antidote, if there is an arisal of uh, something uh, a ne um, negative, uh, then one sh it says that one should actually look away uh, if, uh, if we're looking, uh, speaking of the eye, uh, or not listen, or uh, um, actually uh, turn the sense uh, senses away from this object that one is finding. Uh, so if one uh, has finds a, something attractive or finds something unattractive, uh, if it's a sight or a sound, one should look away or one shouldn't listen. Uh, so, uh, the, so that that's it. One should look away. One should actually uh, um, stop the, the, per, the perception or the apprehension. <laughs> So the great master, uh, the seventh Dalai Lama, yes. the great master Chelsan, the Kelsan Yatso, the seventh Dalai Lama, stated that for great bodhisattvas, they are able to, the moment there is uh, uh, attachment or uh, anger or uh, delusion that arises, uh, avert it uh, and apply an antidote immediately to it. But for ordinary people uh, like us, we should just try to look away or restrain our, uh, stop listening to it. Uh, re, re, uh, I don't know, uh, restrain the actual sense faculty itself. So uh, uh, we should uh, uh, not engage the object, to look away or to not listen. Uh, so the, that is a quote, a uh, loose translation of the quote from the great master, Kelsan Yatsa. Uh, so we're uh, going to be changing the cassette. If anyone needs to uh, take a drink or use the restroom, we have a, about a five-minute break now, and we can do one can do so. The, here, the, we're restraining the, sick, the sensory faculties, and what we're restraining them from are the objects which are attractive and unattractive. So guarding our our minds against these apprehensions, just to start to, to make sure the terminology is concordant with the text that we're using.
ਸੀ ਔਰ ਤਾਂ ਮਾਲੂਮ ਹੋ ਵੀ ਗੋਦੋਂ ਬੱਚਾ ਬਜਰੋ ਆਦਾ ਦਿਨ ਰੋਜ਼ ਚੀਨ ਦਾ ਦਿਨ ਜੀ ਬਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਦੀ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਮਰਬਾ ਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਦੀ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਬਦਲਾ ਇਹ ਬਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਦੀ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਬਦਲਾ ਤੇ ਕਮਲਾ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਿੱਦਾਂ ਜੀ ਮੋਨੀ ਮਰਬਾ ਕਮਲਾ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਿੱਦਾਂ ਆਸ ਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਦੀ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਬਦਲਾ ਨਹੀਂ ਤੇ ਕਮਲਾ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਿੱਦਾਂ ਪੇਈ ਜਿੰਦਨ ਦੇ ਦੋਹਾ ਤੁਜੁਰੇ ਜੀ ਤੁਜੁਰੇ ਜੀ ਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਦੀ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਨਹੀਂ ਦੇ ਕਮਲਾ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਿੱਦਾਂ ਤੇ ਸ਼ੁਰੂ ਵਿੱਚ ਸ਼ੀਜੀ ਮੋਸਾ ਤੰਬਲਾ ਚੁਰੇ ਦੇ ਜੋਦਾ ਦੇ ਬਿਲੇ ਮਾ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਦੇ ਬਿਲੇ ਮਾ ਖਦੋ ਰੂ ਸੀ ਸੀ ਤਰੋ ਸ਼ਬਦ ਦੇ ਬਿਲੇ ਮਾ ਲੈਂਗਾ <laughs> ਤੂ ਵਾਤਲ ਸੋਦੇ ਦਾ ਮਤੋਤ ਅਨੇ ਜੁਆਤ ਦੇ ਬਿਲੇ ਮਾਸੇ ਅਨੇ ਅੰਤਰੂ ਤੇ ਆਪ ਕੋ ਕੋ ਜੀ ਜਬ ਕੋ ਕੋ ਰਸ ਤੇ ਮਿਲ ਜਾ ਮੇਸੇ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਲਾ ਕੇ ਬਵਾਈ ਨਾ ਅਨੇ ਨੋਜੇ ਤੇ ਆਪ ਕੋ ਸਜ਼ਾ ਮਾਗਣਾ ਸਾਇਦ ਨੋਜੇ ਰੋ ਕੋ ਚਾਲ ਰੋ ਨੋਜੇ ਤੇ ਆਪ ਕੋ ਤੁਲੂ ਤੇ ਆਪ ਕੋ ਬੋਰੇ ਅਨੇ ਵਤੇ ਜਨੇ ਤਾ ਗਿਨੇ ਦੇ ਇਹਨਾ ਪੋਜਾ ਨਾ ਯੋਰੇ ਤਾ ਨਾ ਜਨਮਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਦੇ ਪੋਜਾ ਨਾ ਦੇ ਹੋ ਦੇ ਮੁੰਦੇ ਤਾਂ ਵੀ ਸੇਵਾ ਜੀ ਤੇ ਨਾ ਜੇ ਕਿਸੇ ਹੀ ਨਾ ਕਿਸੇ ਤੇ ਸੁਖ ਨਾਲੋ ਸੋਜਕ ਨਾ ਸੇਵਾ ਮਾਜੀ ਬੱਚੇ ਉਹ ਤੇ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਡੋਗਰ ਸੋਦੇ ਇਸਾ ਮਰਵਾ ਜੋ ਅੱਧੇ ਮਿਲੇ ਨਾ ਅਲੇ ਤਾਂ ਮੰਗਾ ਤੇ ਨਾ ਚੁਚੂ ਸੋਦਵਾ ਅਮ ਜੋ ਅੱਧਾ ਦੇ ਵੀ ਫਰਮ ਪੇਜ 102 ਇਨ So first we're uh the the section has two parts the five actions of movement and the five actions of activity in the temple. So here are 10 uh specific uh ways in which one should act when it is acting with vigilance and it begins with the the five actions of movement or going somewhere. When one is going somewhere uh one how should uh, how one should behave and previously uh monks and nuns went out to beg for alms and there were a lot of specific uh rules around uh how they should uh, conduct themselves uh and we find uh within the code of ethical discipline uh, many suggestions or or uh, uh, uh vows uh about going out in public and having the robes looking very nice and the begging bowl uh cleaned and so forth uh and and in for the um uh uh monks the ordained uh being there are the five root abandonments uh making sure that one is uh acting vigilantly and restraining from those five root abandonments and so forth so here this acting with vigilance is acting uh vigilantly relative to one's behavior uh and making sure that the uh, one's behavior or conduct is appropriate in uh any given setting and here are some specific uh um uh, settings uh, uh to to be exact uh moving going somewhere and then the setting of a temple uh so we begin with the actions of the of the body uh, uh um 
so previously there was this act of begging for alms that the Buddhist monks engaged in. But Nalanda University became so big that it wasn't possible for them to for that many uh, monks uh, uh, to be able to be fed uh, by begging for alms. So they built a kitchen, and the, the tradition of begging uh, for food uh, in, the, in the India uh, um, um, started to uh, become less and less because of the uh, more and more people were becoming ordained, and there was a need for kitchens within the monastic universities at that point. By then, the ジャムティーペンティンキョアジャムティーパニュロオマジュネネゲデュネチュオマピアルジュネシアトデダワドラパデジュモンソンダバナネタルタニエバケウイジュロニエバカラカラタンキシンキシモンアハオッケーコンデ
Okay, so uh, the five actions of movement are, I'm going to read each one and then do Rinpoche's commentary line by on each of them that, in that way instead of going back. Uh, so it's first it says the actions of body, uh, going out places to other places like towns and temples and returning from them. Uh, so this is uh, when going out or begging for alms or uh, um, going to the temple and so forth, uh, how one uh, should conduct him or herself. Uh, so uh, how one's, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, this is referring to the physical actions of the body when going places. The second says actions of the eyes, both slightly looking at various objects because you have seen them unintentionally and fully, view the, fully viewing those objects you have unintentionally looked at. So here, uh, it's uh, being vigilant about uh, checking to see what one is looking at. Uh, if you, uh, one is looking at things uh, uh, a monk or a nun shouldn't be looking at, uh, and restraining uh, one's eyes or looking away from something if it's in, a, in an appropriate object of engagement. Uh, so here, actions of the eyes is referring to looking at things and checking one's mind to see whether or not that apprehension is appropriate. Uh, the next is actions of limbs, fingers, and toes. Stretching out and contracting the limbs, fingers, and toes. Uh, so here, this is uh, speaking of uh, when one's going out and begging for alms, in the case of monastics, uh, monks and nuns uh, shouldn't uh, walk around holding hands. Uh, they shouldn't uh, put their hands on their head and stretch out uh, in, uh, in deformed ways. Uh, so there are various um, uh, rules or almost laws that are given and set in the code of ethical discipline around uh, how one should conduct one's uh, limbs and fingers and so forth. And one should uh, 
uh, being a very, uh, trying to think of how to translate, very straight uh, posture, a very uh, um, a method move methodically in a very straight posture. Um, and, and then uh, it says, actions of religious robes and alms bowls, handling and making use of the three kinds of religious robes and the alms bowl. Here the three kinds of religious robes are speaking of the upper and lower garment and then the religious robe, the yellow religious robe. So here, uh, being careful, because these religious robes are blessed objects, um, taking care of them and not throwing them somewhere, making sure that one uh, respects these three types of robes, upper, lower, and uh, uh, religious uh, garments. So these three robes are referring to those three robes. And then the begging bowl is referring to an alms bowl, or an alms bowl is a begging bowl. And there can be two uh, um, uh, materials in which the alms bowl can be made of. It can be made of earth or clay uh, or iron. And either way, the begging bowl should be painted black or should be of black color. Uh, I know black's not a color, but it is in Tibetan Buddhism. So it, it should be a, a black color. Uh, so uh, in this case, um, um, uh, this is the suggestion around um, uh, um, the, be the alms bowl. And once again, respecting the alms bowl because it is a symbolic of a blessed uh, object. So here, respecting the robes and respecting the begging bowl or alms bowl. And then the last uh, actions related to the alms themselves, uh, the offerings that have been made uh, of food and drink and so forth, um, eating them and drinking them in a respectful, calm, uh, um, I don't want to use the word beautiful, but in a nice way, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, etiquette, you know, having good etiquette around eating and drinking. It's probably the best translation to use. Well, what is it? That Shabbat Devi Lengadredwa. Sulakana Shabbat Lengadredwa. That Sulakana Govan Deva Yina. I don't go on the Yina Seven Dora, but that is a Dora. I'm so Susan Dora Seven Gudu Sajam Dora. Chutuma. Chutimi Sajam Dora. Chutimi Sajam Dora. Chasna. Chasna. Chabas Kemukas Number 
So the next section is under the five actions of activity in a temple. So how one should conduct him or herself inside of the temple. So it says the actions of the body, walking in designated areas, so walking where one's supposed to be walking, going uh, to one who is in accord with the teaching, so uh, going to uh, a a teacher who uh, um, follows the authentic, proper teaching. Uh, uh, So it says uh, um, entering a passageway for the sake of receiving the teaching. So going in... Two, the two, one should be physically going into the temple for the sake of receiving a teaching, for that purpose, and standing in the presence of those whom you are going to see and who are in accord with the teaching. So, uh, um, no matter uh, uh, who we're speaking of, uh, it says the abbot, master, guru, Rinpoche said even one's mother, if one is going to receive an instruction, uh, one should uh, stand in the presence or sit in, it says, full lotus posture upon a seat and so on. So it's about physically respecting uh, uh, the instructor and the uh, place of instruction and the rules uh, relative to that place, walking in the designated area, going for the purpose of receiving a teaching, uh, and then respecting the one uh, physically who is giving, from a physical standpoint, respecting the person who's giving the teaching. Second is the actions of the speech. Receiving the oral transmission of the twelve branches of scripture on which you have not previously received oral transmission. Understanding all of these, reciting <coughs> that which you have received, teaching them to others and conversing with others in order to encounter, uh, encourage their joyous perseverance. So one should uh, um, um, uh, receive these uh, oral transmissions, recite the ones one, uh, that are understood, explain them, the ones that are understood uh, to others, and one should uh, continuously uh, receive uh, um, these instructions uh, and oral transmissions um, and then encourage others uh, verbally uh, to do so. Uh, the third is the actions of the mind. It says uh, sleep, and that's where we stop. Then Sumba? Mm-hmm. 
So, next is actions of the mind. It says, sleeping in the middle period of the night, retiring to a quiet place, and then not speaking while you think over the meaning of what you have heard. Practice concentration by means of the nine mental states and strive for insight. And when feeling fatigued during hot weather, doing something to dispel your desire to fall asleep at an improper time. So here it's uh, speaking of striving to achieve the state of this union of calm abiding and mental insight uh, by way of uh, the nine dhyani uh, levels or the nine states of mind, setting the mind, continuous setting, resetting, close setting, disciplining, pacifying, thoroughly pacifying, setting, uh, making one pointed, and then setting an equipose. So these are the nine states that one is striving for, so continuously um, engaging in a concentration and practicing uh, uh, and uh, um, um, adjusting one's meditation so that one can achieve that state of uh, special insight. And then if one is feeling fatigued uh, or becomes tired uh, for whatever reason, it says during hot weather, uh, do something to dispel your desire to fall asleep at an improper time. Uh, one, there are various suggestions uh, given. One should, could wash one's face if one is starting to feel fatigued. Uh, when doing these practices, one could look at the moon. Uh, one could drink some uh, uh, white jagarpa, white tea, uh, uh, a milk tea, um, or something like this. So there are various suggestions uh, about uh, what one can do if uh, one starts to feel sleepy or tired during uh, one's uh, session. And then the fourth is the actions of day and actions of night. It says both of these refer to not sleeping in the daytime, so not sleeping at, during the daytime period, or in the first and last periods of night. These also refer to physical and verbal actions. So uh, uh, when we look at um, actions, virtue and non-virtues of a body and speech, it's referring to uh, here during the day um, um, uh, um, um, being mindful and paying attention to one's uh, uh, physical uh, body and speech, um, so paying attention to during the day, uh, and then uh, and the sleeping uh, time uh, guarding the mind. It says uh, sleeping in the middle period of the night refers only to actions of night and actions of mind. Uh, so at, when one is sleeping, uh, this is what it's referring to, uh, actions of night uh, that are the mind is engaged while it's sleeping uh, through dreaming and so forth. So here, this is speaking of actions, actions that are being uh, carried out day and night, uh, and specific um, guidelines uh, around not sleeping during the day, and specifics about when to sleep uh, at night. Then the yichi dipile, the garre room, the nilandam, nilandama, dipile, nilandam, dipile. You're back. You do. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was asking if non-virtue uh, karma is collected in dreams. 
So whether one is a monk or a nun or not ordained person, uh, a householder, uh, there are various things that one uh, should restrain from. If one is a householder, there are the five vows of a householder uh, that one needs to refrain from. If one is a, a novice monk or a nun, there are uh, certain things that are to be refrained from. Uh, if one is a probationary nun, certain things to be refrained from. Uh, a fully ordained monk or nun, there are things to be refrained from. If one is hold, as a tantric practitioner, there are uh, ethics that have to be followed and things to be refrained from. If one is a bodhisattva practitioner, there are ethics to be followed and things to be refrained from. So, it, depending on each individual person, there are various uh, things, uh, various um, um, behaviors uh, that one needs to be mindful of and refrain from if they fall categorically under the negative uh, negativity that one is abandoning. What the now we're at uh, page 103 in the section that says acting vigilantly with respect to the foundations. So acting vigilantly with respect to the above mentioned ten foundations as as follows. So acting vigilantly is referring to a practitioner, whether it is a fully or, uh, an ordained person, monk or nun, or a householder. Uh, so here we're uh, acting vigilantly is referring to um, practitioners. And then those ten foundations are the five 
uh, foundations of, um, um, of movement and then the five uh, activities uh, in a temple. Um, so it says when you begin either movement or activity, right from the outset, act conscientiously and establish mindfulness. So there should be some introspection, Shijin, so introspection, uh, and then mindfulness um, uh, um, relative to uh, any action. It says uh, with respect to that action. So any action one is uh, about to engage in, there should be introspection and mindfulness related to it. Imbued with both of these, analyze the elements of the situation and, uh, and analyze how you should then proceed. Then think about and arrive at an understanding of the situation in light of what you have concluded. So truly analyze uh, what is happening. If one is seeing something with his or her uh, eye consciousness, uh, then really analyzing, uh, am I um, apprehending this as attractive or unattractive? Um, what is my reaction to that? Thank you very much, Doug. Uh, what is my reaction to that? Uh, um, so really, um, and understanding and analyzing one's own mind, uh, you know, having some introspection and remaining mindful, and then uh, conducting oneself in the appropriate way based on the analysis and what one has arrived at uh, 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 as to where he or she is in relation to the object of apprehension. So uh, truly um, um, watching... Uh, and analyzing uh, one's uh, mind to uh, um, make sure that um, uh, um, one is acting in accordance with the above ten, ten foundation mentioned ten foundations. Uh, so just a constant vigilance around mindfulness and introspection. And, it, and then there will be more will be explained. I'm sorry, uh, later in detail. That's all. <laughs> Everybody's watching. So now it says there are four elements. So now there's going to be an example of when one's going somewhere or coming somewhere, uh, um, given it's... So here we're talking about when going out to beg for alms, if we're in the specific case, um, but um, in general, going and coming. Uh, okay. So it says the element of basis, it says with respect to any of the ten foundations, those of the actions of body and so on, you should analyzing what will be happening and how to proceed and then consider in light of what you have concluded, for example, with respect to actions of going out and returning, understand the manner of going and coming as is taught in the text on discipline, then reflect while going and coming, now I'm doing this, uh, now, now I'm doing this, and now this. So uh, being, uh, reflecting and being mindful uh, and having this introspection related to the uh, uh, text on discipline and the, 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 the advices in the text on discipline and making sure that one's behavior is concordant.
Okay, so um, uh, in the, within the code of ethical discipline, so here um, it says the text on discipline, then reflect while going and coming, now I'm doing this and now this. Um, within the Vinaya, uh, the monastic code of discipline, Dua uh, Dutsawa by Gunaprabha, there are various advices, and there's actually 112 uh, in the monks, fully ordained monks' case, advices on uh, um, uh, how one, uh, uh, one's attire should be and how one should behave. Uh, it speaks about the shantup, the lower uh, uh, robe, shouldn't be hanging low in one direction like an elephant's trunk. Uh, and one shouldn't look disheveled and have the robes out of order. Everything should be on properly and straight uh, and so forth. So um, there are uh, the, the nuns' vows, there are uh, maybe different or more, uh, uh, but in this case there are 112 that are related to these kinds of activities when one is going somewhere and coming somewhere. Uh, about not putting uh, one's hands on the back of the head and stretching out and so forth. There's a number of, uh, of, of rules or codes of ethical discipline found within the Vinaya. Uh, categorically, uh, we're speaking now under the 112 under the uh, monks. Uh, so then there are the... Uh, um, uh, Gets genye. Genye pamani The householder vows also that we need to be careful and and of if we hold them and uh, um, and just be careful of. So subje, be careful of uh, and, and mindful of. Oh, and the reason I'm sorry, I forgot one thing. Because and the reason for this is so that when monks and nuns go out, this is from before, go out in public, that those. Uh, um, uh, those of faith or those uh, non-Buddhists uh, 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 see uh, uh, them uh, in a, a good way, uh, represented in a good, respectful way. Uh, so others who are watching uh, see a good representation. So this is the, the reason. <laughs> And then, Ruchusa is a Kawaii or 
Uh, so next is the element of direction. It says, with regards to directions, you should uh, analyze to discover what will be happening and how to proceed, and then consider the situation in light of what you have concluded. For instance, when going out, do not go to the five places, ones that sell liquor and so on, having understood that you should go to places other than those. Be vigilant in regard to this when you go out. So here are the five places it says, sells liquor and so on. Uh, um, this also is a place that sells liquor, a brothel, uh, a king's uh, house, uh, or a, a kingdom, a slaughterhouse. There's one more. The, uh, the, in the back of the book, it says a slaughterhouse and a bad slaughterhouse, and there's a distinction. The Semchen Sena Sacha Ni. ガレ、ガレシネ。ちょっと待ってください。ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、
gave a little side note about his wife, why King's Palace. Well, get in trouble walking into a King's Palace. It's trouble. ตัวนี้ส่งบัตรเรียนตัวส่งบัตรถือถือจิตเต็มตัวถือกางเกงเซ่หน้าบัตรกางเกงเจตัวเอ่อเจตัวเจตัวเฉยถือเนี่ยถ
make a special dedication for all those in Arizona. The terrible tragedy. There's tra tragedies every moment of the day, but it's a specific one that we all know about. So keep them all in our prayers and everyone else who's suffering greatly. Concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme, all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land, surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Abel Jeshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of precious Tenzin Ramada, the holder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, the exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Thank you everyone for coming. Uh, don't forget that we are... Uh, all this